This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. So we have a new Edmonton Oiler, UC Jokinen, signed by the team today. One-year deal, $1.1 million, 34 years of age. We will talk about him as we move along tonight. We'll get some comments from Oilers assistant general manager Keith Gretzky. CFL Friday night football. We got Calgary going into Winnipeg tonight. We'll keep you updated on that one. We'll also keep you updated on the Toronto Blue Jays, though you're probably not going to like this first update. Top of the third, they are trailing the Houston Astros 8-0, and the Astros are threatening to score again. They have runners on first and third with one out. FC Edmonton in action at Clark Park tonight. 7 o'clock kickoff there, taking on Carolina. FC Edmonton have lost their last four games all by the score of 1-0. So they'll try to get on the board. Remember they had that second half. They exploded to beat the New York Cosmos, uh, having trouble scoring goals lately. So we'll see if they can get that fired up. All right. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, really appreciate you tuning in tonight as the Astros make it 9-0 against the Jays. The phone number is 780-496-0063. If you are inclined to talk to me on the radio, you can also text 630-630. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, and the email is is inside sports at 630ched.com. Another hot day here in Edmonton, Friday night, going into the weekend. Uh, a lot of kids off school, obviously, enjoying the summer, the kind of night you maybe take, a, you know, take the family out for a walk or for a drive after dinner, have a barbecue in the backyard, and then uh, wander out and rent a movie. Imagine the perfect video store. It would have a great selection, right? Right. Over 10,000 videos. Three evening rentals, so no rush, no hassle. Fast checkout. 24-hour quick drop return. Open late every night. Well, the perfect video store... Welcome to Blockbuster Video. ...is popping up all over the country. There's one near you. Yeah, what a difference indeed. It's amazing what you can find on YouTube. Just as a bit of an aside here, as I've talked about my glorious history as a Blockbuster Video employee in the past on the show, I have found out that, well, one in Alaska is currently closing, but it looks like there are 12, soon to be 11, Blockbuster Video stores still operational in the United States of America in three states, uh, Alaska, Oregon, and Texas. 
Somebody said there's one in New York. I couldn't find any evidence of that, but th- there are still a few out there uh, no longer under the Blockbuster corporate. I mean, Wayne Huizinga, who owned the Florida Panthers, was was the owner of Blockbuster Video. So I, I, talked, to, I, I talked to a guy at a store in Anchorage, Alaska, and I said, how do you, how do you make this work? And he said, well, there, it's hard to get streaming in certain parts of Alaska because the Internet is... Does, just doesn't work as well. It doesn't come through as well. So people still rent. He said they have DVDs, Blu-rays, and uh, video game discs. So I guess they got the PlayStation 4, and the, well, I don't even know what the latest uh, Xbox is. Uh, so anyway, I thought, you know, if if this job doesn't work out, I have experience at Blockbuster Video. So it wouldn't like be like I would be totally starting over. So that was that was pretty encouraging. Kellen Kennedy on the uh, other side of the window this evening. Did you know that, Kellen? I did not know that. You must have I've been, been a- more aware of Blockbuster Video, though, since I started working with you because, uh, <laughs> you know, I try to get to know my co-workers a little bit and that stuff and their previous work histories a little bit. And, so know. there you go. Well, you must have been like, a Blockbuster renter as oh, a younger yeah, man. Absolutely. Actually, your position at Blockbuster was like my dream job when I was like 12. Well, I wanted to do I'm it. I'm glad you dreamed bigger. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted to be a, we were called CSRs, Customer Service Representatives. Ah, gotcha. Exactly. Well, hey, they should have bought Netflix when they had the chance. That's all I'm saying. Did they have a chance to buy Netflix? Yeah, there's somewhere in the uh, early 2000s when Netflix was getting off the ground and that stuff. The guys who launched it went to Huizinga and the guys at Blockbuster and said, hey, listen, do you want in on this? And Huizinga, apparently the, 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 the story is a little mixed, whether they got either laughed out of the room or just waved out of the room right because who's going to watch videos through a internet yeah, connection yeah exactly that's crazy live streaming video what's that that's crazy anyway this is my uh, little blockbuster video aside for today so uh, this texture says Spruce Grove still has a video store movie world well there you go and as I've talked about several times, there's a video store owned by a gentleman named Kevin Martin, not mm-hmm. the curler, same name, called The Lobby on uh, White Avenue. And he specializes in alternative and, uh, and horror films. I have yet to go down there, but I want to check it out. Yeah, it's cool. And it's, 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 it's a great juxtaposition because it's, it, there's a lot of horror movies down there. And, and, and he's got a lot of horror movie memorabilia and you know, all the figurines and stuff like that. And it's underneath a daycare. I always found that funny. So, anyway, the Oilers news today. UC Jokinen gets a one-year contract. He is 34, played with Florida the last three years. Last season, 28 points in 69 games. He's uh, played a lot in the NHL over his career, 891 games total. You remember when they they first brought in the shootout, he was kind of known as a a shootout specialist. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily count on him for that. He's 5 for 25 over the last four years in shootouts. Not bad, but not at the rate he, he usually was. Uh, drafted way back in 2001. So a one-year deal, $1.1 million. Dep- I mean, clearly he's going to play on the team. Depth signing, to me, gives the Oilers 14 forwards who can uh, actually play on the roster. Keith Gretzky, the assistant general manager for the Oilers, on Bob Stoffer are on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. I just think that, you know, we talked about it, and he's a guy that fits what their, their need is, and, you know, it's a little piece of a puzzle, and, and when you get a guy like that who had a good year, and, you know, we, we've done some background on him, and, and things were, were really good, so we're, we're lucky to have him. Um, you want to have options. He's good in the face-off circle, but he does play mostly wing, right? Exactly. 
exactly, and and he's done a good job in in both. And you know, like I said, that you add the experience, and and it'll help us up front. How much is there a, an expectation of mentorship at all with Yesipol Yarby, given the fact that he's a fellow Finn? You know, I, that that is a bonus the way we look at it, but it is uh, something that can help you. You know, Jesse out, and you know, it's hard. It's like anything when you come from a different country and play. You know, in a in a different city and the language and everything else this will help him out and you know hopefully uh you know jesse can learn from him and and it's easy to to grow and you know be a uh a good hockey player and and understand what's expected and you know it's a little easier when you have somebody else there to help you out all right so a little bit there from keith gretzky assistant general manager of the edmonton oilers so i was just scribbling away at uh at the oilers depth chart and and possible line combinations but we'll see how that works but they have 14 forwards who have played in the NHL before to varying degrees of experience and success but if if you go down the left side you can go Maroon, Lucic, Jokinen and Kara with Kajula as a possibility. You can go down the middle with McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Strom and Latestu with Dreisaitl and Kajula as other possibilities. I'm putting Dreisaitl on the right wing for now. And down the right wing, I got Dreisaitl, Slepeshev, Puyayarvi, Cassian, and Pakarinen. So that there could possibly be your 14 forwards with maybe, you know, Kara, Pakarinen, Puyayarvi, see how he plays as the guys who might be in the 12, 13, 14 slots. So Jokinen... And, and here's the thing. We were talking about why Peter Shirley wasn't going big game hunting in free agency. He said he didn't want to bring somebody in that would push other people down the depth chart. I, I think, you know, Jokin and Kaina can slot in on a third line, Kara on the fourth line. Now, maybe this has a bit of an effect on Kajula, and maybe this makes it a little easier to send Puglia Yarvi back to the uh, to the AHL if he's not ready to go at the start of the season. But I don't I don't know if Jokinen is necessarily coming in and blatantly taking anybody's spot. I think he's kind of replacing Benoit Pouliot, who after a couple of injury-riddled seasons where he had okay point totals in terms of points per game, obviously really had an off season last year didn't get a lot of points took a lot of offensive zone penalties got dropped further down in the lineup did have an okay playoff um but a, a penalty killer so Jokinen's going to kill penalties he can take the occasional face off he doesn't get it you know take several hundred face offs a year but he might take around 150 so a few a game you know two or three a game over 52% in face offs for the last two years so depth guy bit of a utility guy who could still potentially be able to contribute it, uh, contribute offensively I mean, he has had 60-point seasons. If He's coming off a 28-point year. If he's in that 25 to 30 range, then fine. So probably a low-risk signing for the Oilers here, given the term and uh, and the dollar amount, $1.1 million. So the Oilers do add UC Jokinen to the roster. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. You can text 630-630-780-496-0063. Wow, a lot of people renting in, uh, writing in about uh, video stores. That's always a pleasure. Inside Sports on Chad. We're coming. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot suffered a or suffered. My goodness. Talk about <laughs> talk about a bad slip. 
Cam Talbot celebrated. Well, hopefully he wasn't uh, suffering after the birthday. Celebrated a birthday on Wednesday, same day the Oilers signed his teammate Connor McDavid to that long-term contract extension. Looks like uh, Cam Talbot will be backed up by Laurent Prassois when the Oilers go into their new season. I was talking a little bit about the uh, forward combinations for the Edmonton Oilers for the upcoming season. Someone texting in and says, uh, hey, Reed, what do you think the D pairings will be? Well, is going to be out, so uh, I think we'll see Clefbaum and Larson stay together. I wonder if we see Russell and uh, Benning together, then maybe Nurse and Griba. Uh, Mark Fain possibly could be up as uh, a number seven, and then you'll wonder who could possibly push from the farm. Uh, yeah. We'll see. And you know, when I mentioned the, the forwards, I left out Ty Ratty, who could push for a forward spot as well. Could Ryan Stanton, one of the guys signed uh, on the weekend as a free agent to a two-year deal, he's a defenseman. He, I think he'd be probably the leading candidate out of the farm team guys or out of the, um, I guess, you know, borderline NHL guys who could maybe stay on the roster in a depth role. That's how that's how I would look at it. I think there are a lot fewer questions about the Oilers roster on July, what are we, July 7th, 2017, than there probably has been on any July 17th, certainly in recent history. I, I mean, there, there may be some questions. Can a guy reproduce what he did last year? I mean, I know there were some players who had career or near-career seasons, whether you want to talk about Maroon or Latestu. Even Talbot, you know, in net had never been that good before, though he's only been a starter for a couple of years. So, but, but I think more or less you can say this guy should be in this vicinity of goals, points, and assists, or in this vicinity of, of contribution. Some of the younger players are going to have to continue to improve. Obviously, they're going to have to hope to stay healthy. But, yeah, I, I forgot to pencil in Ty Ratty as well. I, I mentioned 14 forwards, so really you could throw in 15 fighting for spots, and I think probably Stanton on the back end, the uh, top farmhand AHL, NHL tweener type to have a chance to make the Oilers opening day. Again, depending a lot on the injuries. Good question, though. Going to be fun talking about it uh, in the months, a couple months to come here before we actually get into real games. I think we're just a couple of months away from that Young Stars tournament in Penticton. It's it's scheduled to start September 8th. Now, nothing's been announced by the Oilers, but you can go on the website for the South Okanagan Event Center. It's actually a tournament run by the Vancouver Canucks. There's already a schedule off on the uh, webpage for the South Okanagan Event Center, so that, that is going to happen. Inside Sports on 630 Chet, it is 622 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. The Blue Jays, as I mentioned, trailing Houston 9 nothing in the top of the fourth. CFL action tonight will start bottom of the hour. Calgary taking on Winnipeg. We'll keep you updated on those games as we move along tonight. Uh, all right, I might as well have a little fun here since people were texting in. Be kind, rewind. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, somebody says uh, St. Paul, Alberta has a video store. It's called Sunshine Video. There we go. Athabasca Video still has rentals. That's from uh, somebody up in that neck of the woods. 
Jeff says the Movie World store in Spruce Grove closed. It went out of business. Too bad it was a nice young couple trying to make a go of it. There is a Movie World, though, still in Stony Plain. And Kevin from Stony also saying Movie World is in Stony, not Spruce Grove. It's also the best place to buy fireworks. <laughs> so there, there, there you go. You can get your DVD, Blu-ray, video game rental and some fireworks to set off after the movie, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's how maybe some people could do reviews. Like, however everybody fireworks, they light in their backyard. That's how good the movie was. I mean, I think that's about the same type of arrangement. There was a store in Vermilion, I remember, called the 4H. No, not 4H, 4B. 4B, okay. 4B, yeah, and it was the same type of thing. It was a variety store. It sold fireworks and whole bunch of stuff. All right. Well, thanks for those texts to 630-630. That's a lot of fun. Uh, so UC Jokinen, newest member of the Edmonton Oilers, more on 630chet.com about that. And uh, we'll talk more, a little hockey talk with Pat Steinberg out of Calgary coming up out of the 630 News. Just as a bit of an aside here, uh, it as, as I've had a little more uh, free time since the Oilers season ended, I like to dive into some books that have been sitting on my shelf, in some cases, literally for years. I don't know if, you, if you're like that, but I'll have a book or someone will give me a book and I don't always get around to it. So I recently read, and this is not another video store story, don't worry. Well, maybe I'll, someday I'll write a book about working at Blockbuster. I, I read a book and it was written a while ago, I think around the, the turn of the century. We can actually say that. I think it came out in 2000 or 2001. Uh, by Eric Ben Kramer, and it's called Joe DiMaggio, The Hero's Life. And it is one of the densest biographies, certainly sports biographies, I've ever read. It is over 500 pages long. Uh, I th- I was, was able to get through it, I think, in about three weeks, so not too bad. Uh, and it was a little tedious at first, but it's, it's very well-researched, very well-told, and for me, somebody who obviously didn't see Joe DiMaggio play because he played in the late 30s through the 40s, except when he served in the war, and then 1951 was his last season. I mean, you know about how great he was, and you can look up his stats. But a fascinating guy. Uh, it is It is not a hero worship type of book. Uh, I mean, it definitely doesn't always paint DiMaggio in the best light, but it's honest. And also very sad, very sad in the end. And you can Google this stuff, too. Some of you may know about it. In the, about the last 16, 17 years of his life, he got to know a guy named Morris Engelberg, who, depending on, on who you believe, was either DiMaggio's best friend and complete support network and business partner, or he was just a complete swindler who was using DiMaggio for his fame and for his money. Uh, the book kind of paints him more in the second light. But th- according to the book, this Engelberg guy had DiMaggio still trying to sign baseballs on his deathbed so he could try to sell them off. And that that really struck a chord with me. But it's, it's an incredibly detailed book. If you ever got a, a week at the lake or something like that, I, I'd recommend it, especially if you're into history of baseball and the Yankees and, and just why sports figures become such big heroes and how they connect with people. And DiMaggio was able to do that despite being incredibly guarded, in some cases even incredibly rude 
to his teammates and, and people around him, but he was able to carry that mystique with him. He certainly used it to his advantage financially in his post-baseball career. And one thing that was really interesting, you probably remember in 1994, with the Montreal Expos looking really good, the baseball season got shut down because of a labor dispute. Oh my God, the players were making too much money. Bobby Bonilla from the New York Mets was making $6.1 million a year, the highest paid player. But the man making the most money in all of baseball in 1994, over 40 years after his retirement, was Joe DiMaggio through all his memorabilia sales and signings and all that kind of stuff. Joe DiMaggio, The Hero's Life, really good book. Hey, have you seen Jeff? He wasn't at the safety meeting this morning. Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Darius Bowman and the Eskimos will be back on the practice field on Sunday. Their next game is one week from tonight. They host the Ottawa Red Blacks. 6 o'clock for the countdown to kick off here on 6.30, Chet. The game will start at 8. Eskimos sitting there with a 2-0 record, and that's the big 50-50 carryover game, the unclaimed ticket from the June 30th game, the carryover $82,000, so that'll be the starting jackpot. I would expect the final jackpot will get up well over $300,000, probably over three hundred and fifty given uh, what we've seen in the past year with Eskimos games. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. So the Oilers sign UC Jokinen, one-year deal, $1.1 million. Kevin from Stoney texting in again. He says, remember the offseason when Mark Arcabella was your second-line center? It's leaps and bounds, Oilers Nation. Trust the GM and the natural growth of the team. Lucic dropped 15 pounds. He'll pick up speed and will still be tough. Yes, Puyo Yarvi needs another season in the minors. Trade R&H for defenseman McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Strom down the middle. That is the formula texted in tonight from Kevin from Stoney. I don't think R&H is getting traded this summer. I know people have asked me that. I, I don't think it's going to happen. And Gabriel texting in, he says, Reed, do you have a fidget spinner? I do not. And to be honest with you, I am only vaguely aware of what they are like most things that are popular with the kids these days. Speaking of people who are younger and cooler than me, from the Flames Radio Network and Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary, it's Pat Steinberg. Hi, Pat. Hi, Reed. You, uh, you have more of, a, more of a good grasp on what a fidget spinner is than I do, so congratulations. I, I still am not quite sure. what I saw that Austin Matthews was holding one today, and I, I still don't know what it is he was holding. So, I saw a picture uh, of Austin Matthews. I. I saw a picture of Austin Matthews holding something far more appealing than a fidget spinner. Yes, on the, the, the other hand was, was more appealing than the uh, than the left hand. I, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, as far as far as I know, it's something you uh, have in your hand and spin around. So I don't know what the point is. If there's a game involved, if it's simply a way to, I mean, I was talking before the the break about a book I just finished reading about Joe DiMaggio, and maybe some people would laugh. I'm reading about baseball players who played uh, 70 years ago, but if I had 10 minutes to kill, to me, a book seems uh, more productive than a fidget spinner. But what do I know? I think I think you and I should just play a good old-fashioned game of cribbage. And, <laughs> and with that, I think we will solve all of the world's problems. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, Jim texting in. I got to read this to you. Please do not do that. Sounds very corny. Capitals just mean to highlight, not yell. Thanks. That is from Jim in response to my Red Blacks shtick, which I have been doing all three years they've been in the league. Well, Pat, now that Jim texted me that, I'm going to even be more sure to do it. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> For the longest time. It's in all I... capitals. What, you, you, here's the thing. They insist on writing their name in all caps, Jim, and you want me to not make fun of it? Like, for the longest time, I didn't even, I didn't even, like, I refused to call them their name because it was such a ridiculous <laughs> name. Like, it is, it is literally the worst name, nickname in all of professional sports. Like, there are, there are teams in Double A minor league baseball that are so ridiculous that still are better than the Ottawa Red Blacks. Like, there's a team called the Savannah Bananas, or there's a, there's a Yard Goats. Um, there's uh, there's a Hillsboro Hops, I believe, is a team in minor league baseball. All of these teams are better than the Ottawa Red Blacks, who just decided to take two colors that associate with their city and turn it into a team name. So I, I go one further. I try not to say their team name. You scream it. I try to not say it at all because it's so ridiculous. All right. Well, uh, well, I'm sure a lot of Calgarians were screaming it in frustration after uh, last year's Grey Cup, though the Stamps got a win and a tie against Ottawa to start this year, and they're about to kick off against Winnipeg, and I expect the Stampeders to uh, to win that game. In my mind, it's the Stamps, Lions, and Eskimos uh, in, in the top three early in the season, but we'll see how that plays out. But I want to talk hockey with you, but, man, that, that's, that Stampeders franchise, uh, what do they got, 29 regular season wins over the last two years without a Grey Cup, which is pretty stunning, but they've been the model of continuity, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, pretty much since John Huffnagel took over as general manager of this team, so that would have been 2008 when they would go on to win the Grey Cup that year. Since John Huffnagel took over as as general manager, and obviously he had a good chunk there as head coach too, but this team has been the model of not just consistency, but the way that they are able to farm players, like the way they're able to identify players the way they're able to scout players, the way they're able to recruit players. And, you know, you just take a look at so many of these guys that come to the Calgary Stampeders, and you're like, oh, never heard of that guy before. And then all of a sudden, they're big-time players. I mean, in recent years, Eric Rogers, Devaris Daniels, and it's like, I, I'm not quite sure who these players are prior to coming to the Calgary Stampeders, or when they you get the press release, you're like, oh, okay, never heard of this guy. And the next thing you know, he's, you know, a 1,000-yard receiver. or It's, it's, it's just... And, and I know a lot of people wondered when John Murphy left for Saskatchewan whether or not the Stamps would be able to have the same type of success in terms of player personnel. Well, it's now year two without John Murphy in the fold, and, and st- they've still been able to have that knack for being able to do just that. And when you have a quarterback of the caliber of Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, it, it helps you stay pretty darn competitive regardless of, of what else is on your team. But no, they, they absolutely are the model of consistency in the CFL. But, I mean, hey, I, there's, there's no getting around it down here. In John Huffnagel's tenure, the Calgary Stampeders are 2-2 two and two in Grey Cup games. They've won just two Grey Cups. So they've been the model of regular season success. But we're talking about since 2008, and here we are in now the 2017 season. So to only have the two titles is, is pretty disappointing in a lot of ways. So they're the model of regular season success, no doubt about it. 
But this city, when it comes to the Stampeders, is 100% in, okay, talk to me in November, let's see what they do when the games really matter. And especially after last year when they weren't able to close out what would have been a historic banner campaign. Uh, It's all about November right now for this team. Pat Steinberg joining us inside Sports on 630 Chetties with Sports at 960, the fan in Calgary. You're the host of the Flames broadcast. Uh, we want to talk a, a little hockey here. The Oilers did sign UC Jokinen today. I mean, the Flames, their big move was a little over a week ago with Travis Hamannick. I, I mean, it's interesting. I, like, I look at this and say, okay, the Oilers have Connor McDavid, who just led the league in scoring and should continue to be a high-scoring player. Leon Dreisaitl was eighth. The Flames already had a pretty good defense, and they add another pretty good defender. Look, it, there are 29 other teams to worry about besides Edmonton and Calgary now that Vegas is in the league to make the total 31. But you know what it's like between these two teams. Uh, you know, you, you pay attention to those games on the schedule a little more. Is this defensive balking up by Brad Trey Living a response to the Oilers lineup and only getting one point out of eight against Edmonton last season, or how do you see it? I don't think that that is. Like, I, I think that's absolutely part of it. Like, I don't think. Um, I don't think the Flames looked at that series against the Oilers last year and were okay with it. I think that, you know, the fact that they were pretty well handled in the Battle of Alberta. And then and then let's not forget, both teams made the playoffs, but one team was a couple calls away. I mean, let's, let's, as much as people down here don't necessarily love to hear it, Oilers, by all rights, should have been playing for the in the Western Conference Final. I mean, yeah, Anaheim won Game 7, but... And the way things went before that, the Oilers were unlucky and unfortunate not to not to win that second round series. So you know, the Flames get swept in round number one by Anaheim, and then here are the Oilers, you know, pushing to go to the Western Conference Final against the same team, taking out the San Jose Sharks. I think the fact that they got swept in the Battle of Alberta and then saw the Oilers, you know, go significantly further than they did in the postseason. I think it's a factor. I think it absolutely is a factor. And I think the fact that, you know, the, the, the balance of power is, has swung a little bit back to Alberta's way in terms of the, the caliber of players on these teams, I think that plays a part of it too. But Connor McDavid has, has eaten the flames for lunch in his career. And, and I think there, there's a, a pretty good understanding inside the flames war room that, okay, well, Connor McDavid is going to be a big part of this rivalry for years to come, and the way that the way that things are trending, and the way that things shape up with the playoff format right now, it's a pretty good chance that whether it's this coming season or the next couple of years, that we're going to see a few playoff battles of Alberta for the first time since 1990. And I think that knowledge is is part of this as well. But I, regardless of what the Oilers did, I, and, and I do think that they play a factor 100. percent But regardless of other teams. There was a pretty big drop-off in terms of Calgary's defense last year from the top three to the rest of the group. And I think that they wanted, even when they acquired Michael Stone, I still think there was a little bit too much of a drop from number three to number four. And I think what Travis Hamannick does is is help repair that drop a little bit. And when you've got a top three like Calgary has, Dougie Hamilton, Mark Giordano, and T.J. Brody, when those guys are already in the fold, I think that it, it naturally predisposes you to want to get that fourth guy. You know, a lot of a lot of teams 
are, don't have that type of depth defensively. Perhaps they have you know, better depth up front. They've got more game game breakers when it comes to their forwards. And, but but from a Flames perspective, their strength is undoubtedly on the back end right now. So when you've got an opportunity to balance that top four and bring in a Travis Hamadick, who had a tough year last year, but you know historically has been a very good defenseman and fits well as a second pairing number four guy. When you're able to acquire that type of player without giving up anybody on your roster after being a postseason team, I think that the most general managers in Brad Living spot would do the same thing. So, yeah, I, I think the Oilers were a part of it, but I also think that they the Flames realize they need to get better if they're going to want to be able to tangle with and beat teams like Edmonton, like Anaheim, and and like some of the good Pacific Division teams in the playoffs. They needed to get better, and and certainly they, on paper anyway, with Mike Smith in in the fold as the goaltender, Travis Hamannick and Michael Stone, and you know, Stone coming back and Hamannick being added. I do think that they are a better group than the way that they ended last year. Well, goaltending was a big shortcoming for the Flames more often than not, I guess I would say, though it, it certainly was very good at times. I, I think I always got the sense that it was a, a bit of a letdown overall. So they got mm-hmm. Mike Smith there, obviously on the tail end of his career. We'll see how he plays. Who's he keeping the job warm for long-term, though? It's it's Tyler Parsons for me, and it's funny, we just uh, wrapped up development camp with the Flames down here, and Tyler Parsons, once again, was the standout player during the week of you know, prospect hockey for me. He's a second-round pick going back to 2016, uh, has enjoyed quite the calendar year, kind of started in May of 2016 with a Memorial Cup win in Red Deer with the London Knights, then goes to the World Juniors, uh, backstops Team USA to a World Junior title, was incredible in that gold medal game against Canada, uh, has a really, really good year in London. They don't go as far in the postseason this year, but he was the biggest reason why they even won around, uh, and now he comes to development camp, and he's been he's been very good. And I think you know they've they've got they've got some decent depth organizationally when it comes to goaltending, but I think Parsons is the one that that projects to have the highest ceiling. You know, John Gillies and uh, a gentleman by the name of David Riddich uh, were the American League goaltenders last year. Both had pretty decent seasons, and both made their NHL debuts late in the year. But just just. All of what Parsons brings to the table, the style he plays, his athleticism, his resume, the fact that he's won virtually everywhere he's gone. Now, to me, he is at the top of the depth chart right now organizationally when it comes to future goaltenders. But you always say that with a little bit of a a grain of salt because of just how difficult the position is to project. You know, for for every guy that you think is going to hit and for every guy that you think is a blue chip prospect, well... Some of those guys are, are going to are going to pan out, and just as many of them go completely the other way. The same way there are so many stories of you know sixth and seventh round goaltenders who nobody really thought anything of, and the next thing you know, they're starting goaltenders in the National Hockey League, and that's why it's why I think the Flames went out and decided to go for a Mike Smith option and go for a more proven type of quantity as opposed to an Antiranta or a Philip Grubauer or, or some of the, the names that they could have gone with that are a little less proven, you know, because not everybody's going to get a, a Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot was was an outstanding acquisition by Edmonton. He was a guy that was a backup goaltender at a good team, and he's clearly a number one goaltender. But a lot of times when you do that, it doesn't work out. You know, it, 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 Eddie Lack and Robin Lehner haven't necessarily gone the same way 
that that Cam Talbot has gone, and they were both traded at the same draft that Talbot was acquired. So yeah. I, I understand why the Flames went with a goalie like Smith. Two years left on the contract. Get some good hockey out of him in those two years, and then maybe a guy like Parsons is ready to go when the contract expires. All right, Pat, before I let you go, we started on a lighter note. We will end on one. I got talking about Blockbuster Video and video stores earlier in the show. Your video store of choice before they haven't gone completely the way of the Dodo Bird, but there aren't many left. Well, I mean, Sportsnet is owned by Rogers. I won't lie. I was <laughs> so, a I was a Rogers video honk, and it just it's, it's weird. Like, did you get discounts? Were, I never got discounts. Oh, never got discounts. That's disappointing. By the time by the time I got I was ready for discounts from Rogers. I think Rogers video stores were discontinued. I mean, they have there haven't been Rogers video stores in years. But Blockbuster was never close to me, and all the cool kids went to Block. Blockbuster, and I went to Rogers Video. That's kind of the way it went. So I was uh, I was a Rogers guy, and I don't really think were there any other video stars. Like, don't you really only have a choice of two? Well, those were the big chains, but I think uh, I be I mean, and people are texting in some small towns that still have the Milton Lloyd Minster. We had uh, we had the movie gallery. Uh, we had uh, there was D and E Video. I think that was locally owned. I don't know if that's still operating. So uh, yeah, what what was there? It was a video update for a while. There were a few. I mean, when you worked in the industry like me, you know the names of the stores, Pat. Fair enough. It's, it, I mean, in the also grocery stores that sometimes sold VHS tapes. You don't see that anymore. Like, you don't see a corner store say, oh, yeah, yeah, come in, get your bread, get your groceries, and then rent a movie. Right? You don't see that anymore. <laughs> Pat, thanks for starting your weekend with Inside Sports, buddy. It's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on yours yesterday. Of course, we'll do this again. Absolutely. I would have no better way to start my weekend off than a little Reed Wilkins time. There we go. Pat Steinberg, Flames Radio Network, Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. Always fun to have him on the show. Always fun to talk about the Battle of Alberta. There will be five Oilers-Flames meetings in the upcoming season. And, of course, we'll have the Labor Day home and home in the Canadian Football League. Eskimos and Stampeders both looking really good. 650, you can call 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We're coming right back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, thank you, Mark. It is 6.53. Good to have you tuning in tonight. No score. About seven minutes in between Calgary and Winnipeg. Friday night football in the CFL. The Blue Jays, they're going to have to get a rally going. I was talking about Joe DiMaggio early. They they may need DiMaggio in his prime to take every at-bat for the rest of the game to have a chance to catch up. They trail Houston 10-1. In the top of the sixth, Jays sitting at 40 and 45. Houston, by the way, man, they're good. 58 and 28 on the season. So the Oilers bring in UC Jokinen, close to 900 games in the league, last three years with the Florida Panthers. He'll be a bit of a depth utility winger. He can kill some penalties. He can take the odd faceoff. Still has uh, some offensive game. Was once known as the king of the shootout. Career percentage around 30. Uh, 5 for 25 over the last four years, so not as proficient as he was when they first brought in the shootout. But he could, he, I guess he could be a second-wave guy in the shootout. I mean, Everly's gone, and he was often a shootout mainstay. I, I would, I, are the top three in the shootout this year 
in depending on the order. I mean, I think Letestu deserves to be there. They, they didn't always use McDavid, but I would hope they use him in the shootout just because of the speed and puck handling. Leon Dreisaitl took some shootouts. So is that your top three? And then maybe in the next wave, when it gets down to the single guys, do you go Nuge, Jokinen, uh, Strom, I guess, could go in there. Kajula, maybe, because he's got a good shot. Are those, are, are those your, I mean, that's a third of the roster already that could, you know, at least decently take an average shootout attempt if you get into that situation. What were the Oilers in shootouts this past season? I believe they were four and five. Yeah. I think he's more of a replacement for the departed Matt Hendricks because Hendricks, you know, has, has moved on with his career and and and, and such. In but the shootout, in or the overall? shootout, yeah. Oh, in the, in the shootout. Well, absolutely. but Hendricks, yeah, Hendricks didn't play much the second half of the season, no, right? But, but Hend- they'd often would let Hendricks go in the top three, absolutely, as, as one yeah. of the regular guys. I I think the regular guys this year would be Latestu, McDavid, and and Drysital. Uh, Strom doesn't have a ton of attempts, but they like his shots. Maybe he gets a look. But, I mean, I used to have Everly going quite a bit. And uh, now he's gone. And Ganya used to be really good in the shootouts, but obviously he's long gone as well. Before we break, we'll bring uh, Darren onto the show. Darren, you got hey. about 30 seconds. Hey, how today. you doing, Reed? Good. Is it me calling back? Hey, listen. I told you, you know, me and uh, H- RNH, I, I, I just don't think one's going to eat his contract. I know you really like him. And I don't, it's, they're going to have a tough time getting rid of him, so they might be stuck with him. I'm just saying, that's right. But I'm going to give you an example of Drysdale. Just hear this out for a sec. He's, he's going into a contract. You're, you guys want him to sign a big contract. I said 4.5 to 5. Now, the reason why I say that, you're maybe a little young. You probably remember when uh, Sather uh, got um, uh, Kruschelniski in from Boston. He played with Curry and Gretzky. His points just about doubled that year. Yes, so what I happened do. was uh, Sather said, hey, come on. He's in his office. You know, there's Kruschelniski. He's going to get a big raise. He says, you know what? We'll give you a raise. He's going to pay him what he was making. Everything after that was bonus. You match your points, but he says, here's the problem. You're going to have your own line. So here's my, here's my suggestion. you got, you got 20 seconds, Darren. Okay, you got to make it fast. Okay, my suggestion, do the same thing with Drysdale. Give him 4.5 to 5 and give him bonuses. If he can bonus it, match his boring, take him. That's what I'm trying to say. That's All it for now. All right. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.